scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And this is a passage that you opened just a few weeks ago with Pastor Bill, I heard. But it is such a wonderful one to read when you're reflecting on what God's kingdom is like, which is the series that you've been in right now. So Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And this is what he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. So people of God, the biblical story tells us about how God gathers and forms and blesses a people whom he has called to live as a contrastive community, a community that looks different from the world. Throughout the scriptures we see and we learn about what this community looks like. We first see it through the laws and the feasts and the journey of the Israelites, and then through the words and visions of the prophets and then through the teachings and life of Jesus. The Beatitudes are some of Jesus' most challenging, inspiring, and well-known teachings. And they portray a community that is formed and blessed by God, which consists of those whom society or the world least values. In this community that Jesus describes, we see oppressed, helpless people receiving God's blessing. This passage of scripture that we've just heard, which is totally transformational, invites and comforts and challenges us. And so this morning we're going to dig into why and how that is. Jesus first proclaims blessing to those who are poor in spirit. There are two different versions of the Beatitudes in the Gospels, and one uses just the word poor, while Matthew, the one we read this morning, adds a spiritual component to the word, saying poor in spirit. It suggests that those who are inwardly and totally dependent on God for everything, both physically and spiritually, will be blessed. It's not a weakness of character, but rather a description of one's relationship with God. Our world tells us that helplessness is a negative thing. But here, Jesus is teaching that one's dependence on God leads to blessing. 
And then in the blessing of those who mourn, in verse 4, comfort belongs to those who are in deep grief, but also those who mourn the sinful, broken state of the world, those who mourn over injustice and persecution, idolatry and exploitation. They will be comforted in the community that God gathers and blesses. In fact, Ron Dart says, the divine life is for those who have lived through tragedy and suffering. Jesus offers a place for those who grieve and suffer in the community of God's people. And in this community, the meek will inherit the earth. Such a stark contrast to those whom the world deems most valuable and worthy of inheritance. The, be the Beatitudes include those who suffer persecution without retaliation, those who have been humbled by the injustices of the world, and those who have found a middle way between the extremes, living with properly ordered passions. The meek are those with a gentleness of heart, a mildness of disposition, and an openness to accepting God's dealings with oneself. The meek are those who let the Holy Spirit work on the inside. In the world, the meek do not typically gain anything for being meek, but in God's community, they will inherit the earth. And then Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. All of the Beatitudes remind us of God's work, but especially this one. It's not about what humans can accomplish, but about God's work in and through us. This beatitude reflects a community longing and striving for justice, where justice and peace guide us rather than competition and narcissism. The promise of being satisfied is especially good news for those whose lives are driven forward by a desire for peace and justice to flow because they're often the ones who feel the most empty and depleted. But Jesus says they will be filled. In verse 7, the merciful are also blessed by God. It is likely not just about showing forgiveness, but a willingness to see things another way. Jesus knows that human longing for justice can turn negative, that justice and mercy can clash. But Jesus' kingdom is about mercy and compassion, justice and goodness. Not any one of those things over and above are more important than another. The merciful are needed and valued in God's kingdom. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's the beatitude that describes the inward purity and cleansing and singleness of intention that's blessed by God. It's not something one is born with, but something God's people are to strive and work for in order to see clearly. This beatitude connects with Matthew 23, verse 26, where Jesus rebukes the Pharisees, instructing them to first clean the inside of the cup, showing the importance of inward purity and cleansing for followers of Jesus. This kind of inward purity is not important in society today, given the focus of the outward appearance. And so this beatitude challenges those in God's community 
to value inward purity. In verse 9, the peacemakers are blessed. For the persecuted, they are to make peace with their persecutors. For those living in situations of discord and disunity, they are to be active in making peace. To love as God loves is to be discontented with the present reality. Children of God are those who both love peace and work for peace, who do not settle for disunity and discord in their communities, but rather act as bridge builders among people and groups. Peacemaking is at the heart of God's community, and a community that values peace will certainly stand in contrast to the secular world. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is verse 10. The Beatitudes are definitely encouragement for a suffering church. This Beatitude shows that Jesus understands what this kind of life means, what's involved in following him. Persecution and suffering are part of the story for justice seekers and peacekeepers. For those totally committed to God's service, even to the point of persecution, they have the assurance of the kingdom of heaven. And lastly, Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Great is your reward in heaven. This last beatitude in Jesus' sermon changes direction as Jesus speaks directly to his disciples and those who are listening. Jesus' followers will know and experience the divine life even as they know and experience mistreatment and misunderstanding in their pursuit of justice and peace. Following Jesus' teachings means life will not always be easy. The Beatitudes depict such a different way of life from the way the world says people ought to live. And it's not easy to live such a life, to live in contrast to those around you. That is why these are blessings and teachings for a community, not an individual. The Beatitudes teach us that we need to rely on God and others to live the kind of life that God invites us to live. Friends, this is radical spirituality. The world and misunderstandings of God's word and even Satan try to tell us that God's approval comes in other ways. We're tricked into thinking we need to be holy, perfect, spotless, doers of good works in order to earn God's approval. And favor. But that's not the kind of Father we pray to when we pray our Father in heaven. The Father that we have says we are blessed when all we can do is say, God, I need you. The Father we have says we are blessed when we grieve over injustice. The Father we have says we are blessed when we are persecuted and oppressed, when we are empty, when we have nothing left to give, when we are literally poor. When you read the Beatitudes, you begin to understand why some people refer to God's kingdom as an upside-down kingdom. 
But it's important to note that the Beatitudes are character traits, not required works. They're also not recommendations, but rather descriptions of the kind of people you can expect to find in God's community. We often see the Beatitudes as something personal and individual, but what if we see it as a picture of the kind of community that God is gathering and forming? Not everyone will be all of these things. But in the company of Jesus, we will find the poor, and we will find the meek, the mourning, the justice seekers, the persecuted, the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. These are the ones God called worthy, not the privileged in society. The undervalued in the world find value as humans in the gathering of God's people. The people who get nowhere in our world today, the people who cannot contribute things of earthly value, those who are shaped by simplicity, hopefulness, and compassion, they are included in the kingdom of God. And the thing the Beatitudes teach us is that our relationship with one another as children of God is not through bloodlines but through a common understanding of who God deems worthy, valuable, and blessed. In Jesus' life on earth, he gathers a new community and reveals a new covenantal way for God's people. Perhaps the kind of people God blesses ought to be right at the center of our community. A couple of years ago, I took a course at Regent College on the biblical ethic of kinship. In other words, what does the Bible have to say and reveal about how we are to see and understand our connection with one another as brothers and sisters in God's family? Can you still hear me? I feel like my mic is going in and out. Is there anything I can do? You're okay? Okay. So how are we to live as God's family, as this kind of makeshift family. Well, the Bible has a lot to say, and Jesus has a lot to say. The Beatitudes themselves tell us a lot about what this makeshift family looks like and who we should expect to find in God's family. The Beatitudes challenge us and invite us to look at who is at the center of our community as God's people right here in our own churches. We're invited and challenged to look at how we live in community, how we worship, how we lead. Who are we thinking about when we make decisions in our community? Who do we prioritize? What changes might we need to make in order to better reflect the kind of community that Jesus describes in his teaching? In the last few years, I've become friends with some people at Fleetwood CRC, where I pastor, who don't speak English at home. It's not their first language. And becoming friends with them has challenged me to think about how I lead, um, how I speak when I'm up front in worship. I've changed the way that I write sermons and speak in worship because I realize that any big and fancy words might be difficult for my friends who are gathering with us on Sunday mornings. I'm not interested in fancy, smart-sounding sermons. 
I'm interested in preaching the gospel so everyone can hear it and understand it. I've also realized lately that it's hard for a lot of uh, people in our church to hear well. And so it's been a challenge, but I've learned to like project my voice to make sure that everybody can fully participate in worship. They're small changes maybe, but they show who we value and who God values. Maybe a question to ask is, what character traits do we consider important for our elders and deacons and leaders in our churches? Are we looking at our councils as well-rounded teams of those with good leadership skills and administrative skills and spiritual maturity? Or are we looking at them as a, as a group of people who are, who are poor in spirit, who simply know they need God, who are meek and merciful and compassionate, who are justice seekers, peacekeepers. And what about our agendas and budgets and mission statements? Did those things reflect the heart of God for the oppressed? Do those things reflect the kind of community God expects us to be? One of the gifts of the Protestant Reformation was this leveling that happened between those who lived the sacred life and those who lived the ordinary, secular life. All Christians were expected to live their whole life, their daily life, for the glory of God. It wasn't just nuns and monks or pastors and priests who were expected to be merciful, meek, gentle, pure in heart, peacemakers. Jesus' invitation is now for all of us. We also need not be tempted to leave the justice work to those we assume have more influence and more power than we do. It can be so tempting to blame the plight of refugees or indigenous communities on our governments, for example. But this is calling first to us, the followers of Christ. If we as the church are not living into the vision of the Beatitudes, how would we expect our governments to act and work and govern in just and peaceful ways? One could imagine a world where refugees are welcomed without hindrance, no matter their status, religion, or occupation, where the homeless could sleep in any church any night of the year. The Beatitudes give us a glimpse into how God sees his people. They reveal God's blessing on people with characteristics that the world considers unimportant for a successful life. Our challenge as God's people, as followers of Jesus, is to welcome and embrace those characteristics in our own lives and to welcome and embrace the people for whom Jesus had compassion. If the church acts this way, surely our nations and governments will take notice. And then maybe we can call on them to join this vision. It's been a challenging few years for churches around the world. For many churches, it's been a season of struggling with identity and discernment about how to be a church in a pandemic world and a post-pandemic world. And so I invite you to consider, as God's people here at Willoughby Church, What is your gathered life all about? Who is God calling you to be? 
I can't help but notice the peacemaking elements of the Beatitudes and the invitation that is here for us. We live in a world that tells us that if you don't agree with someone, walk away. Stand firm in your own beliefs and convictions and opinions. But Jesus is gathering a different kind of community. A community that lives differently. And we are called to be people of peace. Compassion drives the vision of the Beatitudes. Henry Nouwen says this about compassion. You can put the quote up, please. Compassion grows with the inner recognition that your neighbor shares your humanity with you. This partnership cuts through all walls which might have kept you separate, across all barriers of land and language, wealth and poverty, knowledge and ignorance. We are one, created from the same dust, subject to the same laws, destined for the same end. Your neighbor shares your humanity with you. Compassion is not something on which our society places value. And some would say our culture cannot even tolerate compassion. Yet compassion is what's most needed in order to have a world where justice and peace are dominant. Compassion is most needed in the church's mission as God sent people towards the redemption and restoration of all creation. So church, let's be people of compassion. And let us be people who gather as and gather with the weak, the poor, the meek and merciful, the peacekeepers and justice seekers, the persecuted and the oppressed, the pure in heart and the grieving, those who hunger and thirst for more of God. For our God is a God who deeply desires to gather and bless his people. Father to the fatherless, rest for the widow and weary, home to the poor and weak. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. God of compassion, you have given us this vision of the community that you have been get, begun gathering since the beginning of time. And we, your people here this morning, have heard this vision. And we ask for your power and strength to be at work in us as individuals and communities scattered across the globe to be this community, to be the community that you dream of, where all are welcome where the widow and the weary, the poor and the weak, find home and find rest in you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.